Sask Ag Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Parkland. Sask Ag Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Sask Ag Today. Coming up on today's program, support is coming for Saskatchewan livestock producers affected by drought. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt has announced the province is making up to $70 million available to help offset extraordinary costs of feeding livestock to maintain the breeding herd in Saskatchewan. He held a news conference in Regina yesterday afternoon. You will hear what he had to say. The weekly cattle market report compiled by Canfax and used by the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture has been released. We'll hear from Provincial Cattle Specialist Fonda Froats on that. We'll also have the weekly overview of the wheat market that has been provided by Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. Welcome back to Saskag Today. Support is coming for Saskatchewan livestock producers affected by drought. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt has announced the province is making up to $70 million available to help offset extraordinary costs of feeding livestock to maintain the breeding herd in Saskatchewan. The province is coming to the table with, uh, with our $80 ahead for the, uh, for the livestock sector in, in all aspects of it, is to help to uh, to uh, help the ranchers just make those decisions on just how they want to source feed in, the, in, that, uh, in that time frame. So, and we really felt the timing was important. Uh, from what I heard from the ranchers is they were starting to make those decisions on whether they were going to downsize their herd or what they were going to do. So it was very important for us to get this announcement out as soon as possible. He explains how the money will be allocated to ranchers. It's uh, all a receipt based. So uh, if, if a rancher is going to find feed somewhere, he'll be allowed that up to $80 a head for whatever the expense might be because all ranchers will be a little different, right? Some will have some feed and some will have virtually no feed. So this will just give them some opportunity to go source some more. So that's why it's up to that number. Depending if they have a 300 head uh, you know, a herd or a 500 head herd, then you just you do the multiplication. You can figure out what, what that uh, rancher would be entitled to. Merritt tells us which types of livestock will be covered by the funding. No, it's pretty well all covered on this one. Uh, we did uh, all breeding stock, of course, breeding stock and bulls, uh, replacement heifers as well. Uh, virtually the same as last uh, as we did in 2021, only this time we also included uh, horses and we included servants as well. So. He goes on to explain what an extraordinary expense is. No, it'd be more of an extraordinary what we feel is when you're tr when you're going to source feed, or whether you're moving your cattle to uh, to another source as well. So that'll also be covered. Uh, there's always been some cases where, if the ranchers are out of feed, it's cheaper there for them to move the cattle than it is to bring the feed. So that's why we've allowed it both ways. So those are we call extraordinary expenses. Merritt tells us how the province arrived at $80 per head for cattle. It's similar to what we used in 2021, and that's uh, the you know, and that's the province's share, and that's where we're at right now. Obviously, um, you know, the agri recovery assessment has been approved by the federal government. Uh, they have to go through their process as well to just see uh, where they're at, and why hopefully, uh, if and when they decide to come to the table, then we'll uh, we'll be with them when they announce that as well. 
He says he's had a good working relationship so far with Federal Agriculture Minister Lawrence McCauley. It's been really good. I, uh, you know, I really have to say that uh, the, uh, the discussion I had with Minister McCauley in Saskatoon a few days ago when I told him, you know, where we were at and the challenge around it. And, and I respect the process that uh, the minister has to go through as well. So did I. And uh, we just uh, went through it, you know, earlier and started doing the process and, and got the approval uh, from cabinet that way. But uh, Minister McCauley has to do the same process. So we're hoping that we hear from, from the minister soon. That's just where they're at. And uh, if and when they announce uh, that they're here, then uh, we'll be there with them. Merritt outlines why the funding announcement was made yesterday. What we were concerned about is maintaining the herd, maintaining the breeding stock here in the province of Saskatchewan. We saw quite a decline in 2021. We, didn't really, we don't really want to see a further decline. I'm sure that we will see some decline. But we just wanted to help prevent any further reduction that way. That's why it was important for us to come to the table this early because, uh, you know, we did hear some ranchers saying they were going to make some decisions. We've also come to the table earlier with, uh, obviously, with the uh, write-off of the crop or doubling the uh, threshold on that. And we also did, uh, we froze the lease rates for the livestock producers this year as well. And then also we implemented something, and we did hear that a few weeks ago, where some of the ranchers were starting to pull their cattle off their pastures, off their lease land. So they'll be compensated uh, minimum 20% and capped at 50% on the rental side. He then explains the application process. Well, I, I think we'll probably see it, uh, you know, the, the ranchers can all make their application through Saskatchewan Crop Insurance and, uh, and do that process. Uh, we're going to go retroactive to June 1st if they bought any time, if they bought feed in June, uh, July, right up till now. But he says producers can apply now with the cutoff date set at March 1st, 2024. Merritt understands that livestock producers will likely need the money as soon as possible. Well, they do, and I, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think the the ranching community knows full well. I mean, obviously, there's a drought situation out there with the crop side too. Uh, there's a lot of claims uh, there too, and the crop insurance folks are handling it all. So I know that, uh, you know. The community will recognize the time frame and hopefully they'll get the checks out as soon as possible. So we'll do our best and I know the crop insurance staff will do their staff as they did in, or they did their thing in 2021. Uh, you know, hopefully it works out well too. Yesterday's announcement yielded positive reaction from the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association and the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities. In a news release, board chair of the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, Keith Day, says they appreciate the province stepping up and providing their portion of agri-recovery and looks forward to a similar announcement from Ottawa. President of SARM, Ray Orb, says they're thankful for how quickly the province is working to support livestock producers and he looks forward to similar action from the feds. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. PX94, Ag Review. Federal Agriculture Minister Lawrence McCauley has announced an initial list of designated regions in British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba where livestock tax deferral has been authorized for 2023 due to extreme weather conditions. The Government of Canada says it recognizes the significant challenges livestock producers in Western Canada are facing due to exceptionally dry conditions. 
compounded by subsequent years of drought, pastures and forage production are significantly impact, leading to low feed supplies for livestock. The Government of Canada has also worked quickly with the governments of B.C., Alberta and Saskatchewan on joint agri-recovery assessments to examine the impacts of the drought and wildfires. The livestock tax deferral provision allows livestock producers who are forced to sell all or part of their breeding herd due to drought or excess moisture to defer a portion of their income from sales until the following tax year. The income may be at least partially offset by the cost of reacquiring breeding animals, thus reducing the tax burden associated with the original sale. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada published its August outlook for principal field crops on Friday with some notable changes. Production for several cereal, oilseed and pulse crops were reduced, leading to revisions in exports, domestic usage and ending stocks. The report pointed to drought in southern Alberta and western Saskatchewan for the downward move, while AAFC's call on 2023-24 canola production was held at 18.8 million metric tons, the department noted an error. It said the imbalance between canola supplies and disappearance is reflected in the negative feed, waste and dockage, or FWD, and error estimate of 663,000 metric tons. The negative FWD reflects an underestimation of the carry-in and or production for the crop year, these estimates are expected to be revised in an upcoming release of Statistics Canada's Supply and Disposition Report. The first recipient of a new award created in memory of former Canadian Cattle Association President Reg Schellenberg was announced last week at the Canadian Beef Industry Conference in Calgary. The Reg Schellenberg Next Generation Legacy Award was presented to veterinarian Dr. Carling Matiechka of Panoka, Alberta. The award was established with donations made to the Canadian Cattle Foundation and a contribution from the Saskatchewan Beef Industry Conference following Schellenberg's sudden passing last December. Each year a Canadian Young Leaders Program graduate will be selected to receive the award. CYL participants are asked to nominate one of their peers based on criteria built by the Schellenberg family, including but not limited to being a positive, humble leader with the ability to bring people together to achieve a common goal and being an overall exceptional ambassador of the Canadian beef industry. The Canadian Potato Council is applauding the conclusion of a federal investigation into a potato fungus in Prince Edward Island. Council Chair Bill Zilmans thanked the Canadian Food Inspection Agency in a press release for its efforts testing soil from the island over the past 20 months. The agency has tested almost 50,000 soil samples from the island since 2021 when a discovery of the fungus in two fields prompted a trade disruption with the island's primary export market. The regulatory agency says it found the fungus in four additional fields. Cannabis company Tilray Brands has signed a deal to acquire the stake in Trust Beverage Company that it does not already own from Molson Coors Canada. Financial terms for the 57.5% stake in the cannabis-infused drink maker were not immediately available. Trust brands include XMG, Little Victory, 
and Molo. The company says cannabis-infused drinks present a significant opportunity for growth. Tilray Canada President Blair McNeil says the deal positions the company at the forefront of the sector. Earlier this month, Tilray announced a deal to buy eight beer and beverage brands from Anheuser-Busch companies. And be sure to listen to the latest Saskag Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will continue right after these messages. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. We have mist and 15 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The weekly cattle market report compiled by Canfax and used by the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture has been released. Provincial cattle specialist Fonda Froats says Saskatchewan feeder, steer and heifer prices are strong. Saskatchewan average feeder prices were available across all but the three to four hundred weight category for steers. Prices were at four twenty per hundred weight for the four to five hundred pound category and three oh seven twenty for the nine hundred plus weight category. The week over week increase was the largest in the eight to nine hundred pound steers with prices improving twelve eighty eight per hundred weight to end the week averaging three sixteen thirty eight. The largest decline was in the six to seven hundred pound steers with an average decline of seven twenty nine per hundred weight to end the week averaging three forty three eighty eight per hundred weight. Average weekly prices for feeder heifers were reported in all weight categories this past week and prices ranged from three eighty six twenty five per hundred weight for the three to four hundred pound category to two ninety for the eight hundred plus pound category. The largest increase was in the 8 to 900 pound heifers, with prices improving 625 per hundred weight to end the week averaging 290. The minimal price decrease in one category was 83 cents per hundred weight, and that was the 7 to 800 pound heifers, which averaged 290.50 per hundred weight compared to the previous week. She outlines the factors affecting the feeder markets. Well, feeder cattle marketings are on the seasonal increase, which is due to the drought as well. Prices are strong and there's good demand for feeder cattle. However, uh, we could see these prices lose some steam as larger volumes of cattle become available and there's uncertainty on uh, feed availability for some. Froats has the marketings in Saskatchewan for the week. Uh, the volume of Saskatchewan feeder cattle sold at auction took a jump last week with Canfax reporting 7,607 head sold over the week. And this is more than double the previous week when there was 2,917 head of cattle on the week ending August 11th. And as for market-ready cattle prices... The Canfax price for Alberta-fed steers reported on August 18th was 232.73 per hundred weight, and this was down 191 compared to the last reported price of 234.64 on August 11th. And Alberta cow prices reported on August 18th were up compared to August 11th. The price of D2 slaughter cows increased on average 283 per hundred weight from the week prior to average 150.33. The price of D3 slaughter cows was up similar $3 over the prior week, ending the week at 134 per hundred weight. That's Fonda Froats, provincial cattle specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture breaking down the cattle market report for the week ending August 18th. Livestock market conditions. 
U.S. live cattle futures for October closed at 178.62 today. That's down 125. December live cattle closed at 183.15, down 115. September feeder cattle closed at 249 even, down 132. October feeder cattle closed at 251.22, down 142. October lean hogs closed at 79.57, down 105. December lean hogs closed at 72.35, down 137. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will be back right after this. Welcome back to Saskag Today. A weekly overview of the wheat market has been provided by Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture. It was issued through the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. The International Grains Council left global wheat production unchanged from the July forecast at 784 million tons. That's down from 803 million tons last crop year. However, we note that global total grains production, which includes wheat and coarse grains combined, is forecast to be the second largest on record, seeing 1% higher year on year at 2,294 million tons with solid gains in corn and sorghum, more than compensating for smaller wheat, barley, oats and rye harvests. Fob wheat prices have decreased over the past week by another 5 to $13 per ton. Funds are thought to have sold 25,000 contracts on the CBOT since the last CFTC update. This would put them currently short about 87,000 contracts. And Russia keeps putting wheat into the available cash markets. So far, the market seems to ignore the potential for volume inputs by India and also seems to be ignoring the increasing concern about northern and southern hemisphere crops. We think this is because there simply is not enough pull by buyers. In terms of cash trades last week, there still was not very much activity and no major tender business. Buyers are being very cautious in their buying and remain so in a falling market. Jordan reportedly bought 60,000 tons of wheat for last half January at 295 a ton. Thailand bought 13.5% protein queers for October at 3.55 a ton. And U.S. export sales amounted to 360,000 tons and were in the middle of the expected trade range. Total U.S. sales are currently 6.8 million tons compared to 8.8 million last year, so that's down 23%. So now here's some comments on major markets by major on wheat markets by major wheat origin, and per usual we're starting with Canada. Saskatchewan Agriculture reported 2% of spring wheat harvested as of August 14th. Alberta Ag gave no harvest or crop update uh, last week. The few yields we have seen so far vary widely from region to region, so the verdict on actual yields is still out there. We have not changed our estimated yield and production numbers for Canada and the U.S. from last week's report. In the U.S., spring wheat conditions increased slightly for the better, with 42% good to excellent, up one point, one point from the week prior. Spring wheat rated 
welfare was 38% and 20% came in as poor to very poor. And also note in this space with respect to Europe. Mativ in Europe ended the week lower despite a bounce on Friday, but there are increasing quality concerns and this continues to widen the feed milling spreads. And so it's relevant for us as well. There are large volumes of feed wheat which came at the expense of milling wheat. Most countries in Europe are having issues with Hackberg, test weights and or proteins this year. And if the US farmer crop tour affects a weakening of corn this week, this could serve to further widen the feed grain milling grain premiums. Moving on to Durham. About 7% of the sketch on Durham was combined as of last Thursday, so it's still hard to get an overall picture. We continue to get varying reports on yields, but with several reports on yields that came in almost 10 bushel higher than their initial expectations. And then again, quite low yields in other areas. We have left our yield and production estimates unchanged from last week's report for now. In the US, North Dakota rated the Durham wheat crop at 49% good and 3% excellent. 34% were poor and 14% poor to very poor. Harvested acreage was 4%. That's behind 9% last year. Montana had 27% of Durham harvested compared to 17% on average. Overall, Montana expects a good quality crop with higher protein, average test weight, and if the weather holds, no color issues. But in North Dakota, yields are expected to be below average due to prolonged heat and dryness. Bits for Durham and Canada have improved over the past two weeks to generally around 14.50 a bushel, but we have seen a bid as high as 15.75 delivered southern Saskatchewan for fall to winter shipment. Values for Durham and Italy were not updated by the European Commission, but other destinations indicated a 10 euro per ton, that's $15 Canadian per ton, increase over the past week, and this would imply about 435 euros per ton SIF Italy up 90 euros since early July. As farmers, we would not yet sell until we know more about production volumes and our quality. Durham deliveries into the handling system were still quite small last week at 25,000 tons, indicating that harvest has just begun. Exports for the first two weeks of the new crop year were small at 67,000 tons compared to 88,000 last year. Moving to the US, according to the USDA, the winter wheat crop is 92% harvested now. As mentioned, spring wheat conditions increased slightly with 42% good to excellent, up 1%. USDA estimates the share of spring wheat harvested at 24%. US wheat sales of 360,000 tons for 23-24 were within trade expectations of 200 to 525,000 tons, but it's down 37% from the week prior, and year-to-date sales, as mentioned, are down 23% from last year. Markets fell after the export sales report came out, 
and half as fresh and lack of demand will probably keep prices from making a significant rally. However, charts indicate that we could see a bit of a correction. The pro-farmer crop tour in the US this week will be focusing on corn and soybeans, but with wheat, barley and corn now all closely aligned in the feed markets, any strength or weakness in corn could transfer to other feed grain prices as well. In Australia, El Nino continues to build and the Australian outlook is turning increasingly menacing. The next two to six weeks will be critical for Southern Hemisphere wheat crops. Trade production estimates continue to gravitate towards 25 to 27 million tons of wheat for Australia versus the USDA 29 million tons. In Argentina, Barge lowered crop ratings 1% to 20% good to excellent. That compares to 19% last year. The USDA is still projecting a 33% increase in yield for the coming crop that would put them back to roughly to trend yields and a 17.5 million ton crop. However, the current heat and dryness make this assumption questionable and again the next six weeks will be critical for crop development. A repeat of last year's yield would lower their crop by about 5 million tons. Rain in India seems confined to the northwest quarter of the country and the August precipitation total is expected to be the lowest since records began in 1901. There were also fresh rumors of government-to-government -government sales negotiation for Russian wheat to India, but we still have to see if this will be confirmed. Sources in India maintain that the USDA is overstating the Indian wheat production by some 10 million tons and expect imports to be up to 8 to 9 million tons. We will have to see. In Europe, Matif ended the week lower despite a bounce in Friday and there are increasing quality concerns which are widening the feed milling spreads as mentioned earlier. In the Black Sea region, the Russian wheat harvest is 50% complete now, with local estimates projecting a big wheat crop of 89.5 million tons. For the 23-24 marketing year, Russian wheat exports have topped 6.6 .6 million tons already, a 78% increase from last year. And Russia continues to be aggressive in the markets, trying to get as many sales on the books as possible. Meanwhile, Russian drone strikes have damaged grain silos and warehouses at the Ukrainian river port of Reni in the, on the Danube, and this is a vital wartime route for Ukrainian food exports. And according to Transport Minister Soren Grindreanu from Romania, the country aims to double the monthly transit capacity of Ukrainian gra grain to the port of Constanta to 4 million tons in the coming month. Nevertheless, in spite of all these goings-on in the Black Sea, it seems to us that the wheat market has spurned the supply-side risk stemming from the Ukraine-Russia conflict for now. So how would we summarize the week? Well, again, Russia continu continues to push wheat into the market, while buyers are being very cautious in their buying and remain so in a falling market. On the other hand, Canada, Argentina and Australia all now have uh, significant crop concerns, 
which along with a potentially significant import program by India could materially change the market in the latter half of the season. We expect markets to move higher in the new year, so storage is important and we would be selling as little as possible at the moment. We will have to be patient with this market to work through some of the cheaper supplies into the new year. That's Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting Venture in Winnipeg. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. November canola closed at $796 per metric ton, down $13.40. January canola closed at $802.50, down $12.60. September Minneapolis wheat closed at $773.5, down eight and three quarters of a cent. September Kansas City wheat closed at $740 per bushel, down one cent. September Chicago wheat closed at 601 and three quarters, up two and a half cents. September corn closed at 466 and a half, down two and three quarters of a cent. September soybeans closed at 1351 and a half, down 18 and a half cents. September oats closed at 441 and a quarter, that's up a quarter of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. Your farm bulletin board will be coming up next. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Farm bulletin board. Just a reminder that the nomination period for director positions with both the Saskatchewan Barley Development Commission and the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission is now open, but will be closing soon. The deadline to receive completed nomination forms for both organizations is September 6th at 12 noon. Should the organizations receive more nominations than there are director positions available, elections will be declared and held during the period of October 19th through November 29th. Nomination forms and election information can be found on the websites of each commission, so you can go to saskbarley.com or saskwheat.ca. And that's today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today, a 40% chance of spotty showers and drizzle, winds east-southeast at 15 to 30, and a high of 17. For tonight, gradual clearing, winds east-southeast at 10 to 20, a low of 14. For tomorrow, partly sunny but increasing cloud with a 60% chance of afternoon showers, winds south-southwest at 10 to 15, a high of 22, an overnight low of 13. For Thursday, partly sunny with a 40% chance of evening showers, 
Winds east-northeast at 15 to 30 and a high of 22. For Friday, partly sunny, also a high of 22. And Saturday, sunny, a high of 24. In the Paw, it's 18 degrees. Swan River is at 15. Dauphin and Show Lake Russell, 16. Brandon, 17. Roblin, 14. Regina is at 16 degrees. Saskatoon, Hudson Bay, Indian Head all reporting in at 15. Broadview, Mooseman, Winyard, Wadena, Calvington, 14. The Yorkton-Melville region has missed an east-southeast wind at 18, gusting to 28 kilometers an hour. 96% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 15 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. SaskAg Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.